For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Good evening. Welcome to Today's Entrepreneur presented by FL Montreal, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar along with FL Montreal's Josh Miller. Good evening, Josh. Hello, Dan. And that, that booming hello is carrying a little bit further tonight because we're on location, I think, for the first time ever. Well, first time, 200 plus shows, 10th uh, ten, season in and first remote broadcast. And it's nice to be back at my old stomping grounds, Dawson College. We're here for E-Week, Entrepreneur Week, and uh, we're going to chat with some students and uh, have a great time tonight. A chat with a student. We're going to have a great story uh, from Balico, a uh, little rebranding. Um, we're going we're, we're to talk about some great stories and definitely some a failure story that, uh, that's going to knock your socks off. So our entrepreneur profile this evening, Annie Hulot and Stephen Balit of Balico, and uh, also later Natalie Rivera will be along from Cometa Communications to talk about rebranding, talk a bit about my rebranding as well, my company, and all those uh, trials and tribulations, so that's on the way. Uh, but first, let's chat with a, with a student here who is an entrepreneur. And, and you, know, there's, you know, Dragon's Den. Uh, well, they're going to have a Dawson's Den, and one of the, one of the people that's going to pitch their story uh, is... Greg Scott, and uh, and he has you know started a business uh, about four years ago, and he's making skateboards. He's custom making skateboards. That's right. uh, he's you know woodworker. So welcome, Greg. Thank you, thank you. So we're gonna we're gonna ask you know one of the questions we've asked many entrepreneurs over time, and we'll we'll ask you just one because I think it'll sum up your one of your your best learning experiences is you've been doing this for four years now. If you could transport your knowledge that you have today back four years, what would be the biggest lesson you learned? What would be the biggest change that you would have made? Right, so that's a big question. Uh, so when I started, I had a partner. Uh, the biggest change that I would have done was deciding with him on which grounds to settle. So say we had decisions to make, and we really diverted in those decisions. So making things clear from the start would have been great because I wanted to expand. He didn't. It just didn't match. Are you still with that partner? I am not. I'm alone now. <laughs> it's, uh, and it's a lesson, Dan, that we've kind of heard many times over the years. So uh, I know there's so many stories to tell. And uh, again, thank you, Greg, for passing by thank and sharing you. that. Thanks for having and me. And good luck later in the, in the pitch competition. Thank you. All right. And so what does the winner uh, of uh, Dragon's Den Dawson edition uh, get? Dawson's Den gets, uh, they, they, get, they get prizes. They get some, uh, some dollars and uh, they get, they get $1,000. The winner gets $1,000. Uh, and then they get some coaching and mentoring for some, some from, from some of the great sponsors that are here. All right, let's keep it rolling. Uh, today's Entrepreneur live at Dawson College. And uh, as usual, at the beginning of every show, we take a look at some of the entrepreneurial news and notes going on. And let's talk real estate. Uh, this, uh, according to the CMHC, the real estate market in Montreal is going to keep climbing through 2020. And, you know, there, th we've talked real estate before, Dan. The, one of the areas, you know, because Vancouver is so hot and expensive, Toronto is absolutely super expensive, Montreal has just been steadily climbing. Uh, and and this, is, this article just says, you know what, Montreal still has a long way to go. So people are thinking of investing. If you're, if you're looking towards retirement and you think the market is, is too expensive in Montreal, which it is for many, it, it's still not that expensive. It's still relatively affordable. Uh, than, than, than many other locations. Now, Montreal has seen 17 consecutive quarterly increases. 17. It is absolutely huge. And the number of listings has been dropping for the last 12. So supply and demand uh, going to drive prices up, but it's still not the most expensive city in Canada. 
And of course, for entrepreneurs, that means rising rent and rising costs in that department. Um, what's, what, what's your advice for entrepreneurs who are looking for their first location and, and in this climate? It seems pretty tough. I think it depends on the business. If, you, if you're in retail, of course, you, know, you want your foot traffic. You want location that people are going to see. If you uh, rely on a specific talent pool, well, then you kind of want to look and say, well, where do they live and where do I want to centralize? And maybe I want to be close to public transportation. If you're, if you're out where you need to drive a car everywhere, that might, might not be great for everybody. So it's really, so they say location, 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 but it very much depends on what business you are and what you're trying to achieve. This story from the Globe and Mail is awfully frustrating. Uh, government grants to small businesses, uh, they say free money, has gone unused. So there are so many government grants now for businesses that people have lost track of them and there's just money sitting there. The unfortunate reality, Dan, and, and you know, we're, we're not going to do this justice right here, but there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of grants out there, grants, subsidies, uh, low-interest loans, uh, tax credits, all the, all this stuff, because when we say grant from the government, it could come in many forms. And it's federal government, it's, um, it's, it's Quebec, it's provincial government, it's local municipality. There's so much out there, but here's the, here's the key. One is, it's hard to find them all, but you can definitely find them, find them online. Two is, they're not always funded. You know, sometimes there's a grant or program out there that's been out there for five years, but it was funded five years ago. They ran out of money, and they didn't refund it. So you really got to you really got to you pay attention. There is one site actually called Fundica, Fundica.ca, F-U-N-D-I-C-A, and they're pretty much up to date with all the programs out there and tax credits. So if you go to Fundica.ca, um, just uh, check that out and. Get a credit if you can. Get a grant where you can. And this is not just for you know heavy sciences, right? I mean, there are credits for all kinds of businesses. All kinds of businesses. There's credit for opening up new markets somewhere. There's credit for the R&D, the shred that, that everybody like. There's credit for, for training, on-the-job training. There's, there's credits out there and grants out there and subsidies out there for a lot of people. And sometimes it's paying part of a, a, an invoice, part of a professional invoice. Sometimes it's, it's just giving money and out for a program. So check that out. Check out fundica.ca. Check out whatever online resources you can. Uh, and don't, don't let the, this money that we, you know, we pay taxes, everybody's paying taxes, don't let that money go to waste. And if you don't want the government as a business partner, uh, here's uh, an article from, uh, from entrepreneur.com, 10 essentials for uh, your investment pitch. So, Josh, what are, what are some, some of the, your, your pr- favorite pieces of advice here for, uh, for pitching an investor? Uh, if you can't explain what you're doing in 10 seconds, there's something wrong. If you, can't, if you can't get across, I mean, you can elaborate as much as you want and share the vision and explain the problem, but if you can't describe exactly what you're doing, and what your product or service is in 10 seconds, there's something wrong. Now, that being said, when you pitch, your pitch is much longer than 10 seconds. So you really got to you got to set the stage. You got to have you know explain your vision, explain the the, solu- the problem, the solution you're looking for. Uh, you know where's the opportunity? Explain a little bit the business model, the people. Don't forget about the people. You can talk about marketing and growth. There's no question. Uh, you know what's what's next? What's your plan? But again, the t- and financials, of course, everybody wants to see financials. But don't underestimate the team. Don't underestimate the vision and the problem you're solving. And of course, compare yourselves to what else what else is in the market. That's uh, that's big. And don't forget to ask what you're looking for because you can tell your whole story. But then people are going to wonder and say, "Well, okay, that's great. Now, what do you want?" Well, if you have no idea what you want and you can't explain it or, or you can't can't describe it accurately. 
well, that leaves you know that might leave a bad taste in the in the potential investor's eyes. My favorite point is is the problem. You know, uh, what problem are you solving? Going back to what we learned in business school, right? It's so basic, but what what problem are you trying to solve here? And it, and it's because when you're solving a problem, it means it hasn't been addressed elsewhere, and there lies this whole supply and demand, and that's what's really going to going to attract the investor because if it's new and you're, or you're do or it's not new, but you're doing it differently and you're doing it in some unique fashion. But as long as you have the right team around you, because if you just have an idea with not the right team, you're, you will fail. You will not achieve the dollars that you wanted to. All right. Shall we begin the conversation? Let's, let's get to it. Annie let's Hulu get to it. And Steve, Stephen Ballet of Balico. Uh, they are actually a couple entrepreneurs. They are entrepreneurs and a couple, and uh, they brought their kids. And uh, we're going to get to them and their story coming up next. Plus, a little later, we're going to talk about rebranding with Natalie Riviere of Cometa Communications. If you think a change is on the way, well, Natalie will walk you through how to do that responsibly. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Oh, a little uh, feedback there. Welcome back, live from Dawson College. Uh, today's entrepreneur on CJD 800, inspiring stories from outstanding business people. Dan Delmar and FL Montreal's Josh Miller with you. That's probably my fault somehow. I'm not sure what I did. No, 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 no. We don't blame you, Dan. <laughs> we don't blame the hosts. Um, let's get to a, right to our guests, uh, Annie Hulot and St- Stephen Ballot of Balico. Uh, guys, welcome. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you for having us. And I see you brought your social media strategist with you. Absolutely. Nine-year-old Anna Beatrice, daughter. <laughs> we actually have Henry William also, our son of nine-year-old. An 11-year-old. A real real family business. Mm -hmm. So before we get started, as we do each week, just so that the listener understands, what is Balico? Balico was founded on one principle. We wanted to redefine the notion of clean by inventing, imagining home and body natural cleaners. That's it. And where, where that, I mean, that's, that's a mouthful, but... That has to start from somewhere. So where did that start from? It started because I was intolerant to fragrances, and I wanted to re- reimagine a brand where there would be no fragrance. Today, every product, from the garbage cans to, to uh, air freshener, you have fragrances. So I was intolerant, and I said, you know what? I'll put a line outside, uh, out there that is completely fragrance-free. Now, you did, there you go. We have some people <laughs> in the crowd that love that. Now, uh, did you have any background in creating this type of product? Where, what was your, your background in history? N- no, absolutely not. Uh, I, I, be, I come from a family of entrepreneurs. We, uh, and my father had a, a company that I worked with for uh, five years but no i just uh, decided one morning i said you know what we had two children Stephen and i just looked at each other and i said i've been producing my own products in the house for the past 20 years let's create a business and i met a chemist and there you go i just uh, with him formulated some uh, cleaning products so neither of you neither of you are chemists so what are your roles Stephen? like you know you're you're in this business too and we I, I know she'll let you speak. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but uh, you know, as as a couple, and that you know, that's always an interesting aspect. So, how do you how do you share your roles? What how do you divide them? Wow. Well, if there was a title to put to my functions, I'm the VP of operations. 
Um, primarily, I'd say we we wear many hats in this uh, in this business, and uh, being a couple, of course, we 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 support each other. I mean, uh, as much as uh, uh, she's uh, running the front end of the business, I'm literally running the back end. And uh, I should say that you know, hand in hand, we're uh, successful. Uh, it comes with its fair ch- uh, shares of challenges, of course. And uh, let's just say that you know, I, I think uh, both of us are uh, have a, a similar vision, and, and we we are, we're aiming for I think uh, the betterment of of the environment, and just that is a is a is a broad stroke of of where it could take you know our business can go there uh, is going there now and can go beyond uh, our expectations. Let's go right for the drama. We ask this of all family <laughs> entrepreneurs: How do you guys solve problems, and what happens in the case of a tie? <laughs> I it's make it's the our social, <laughs> social media strategist. We let the kids decide, actually. <laughs> no, you know what? I grew up with a family business. My mother and my father were working in the same business. Um, there's one thing. you got to have respect, period. And uh, I will ask Stephen his opinion. He'll ask mine. But ultimately, uh, somebody has to, uh, to make the decision. Now, it's not just the two of you. You do have a team around you. Absolutely, yeah. Now, so how, m- how many people are you today? Today, we're four. Now, of this four, you know, uh, you've, been, you've been in business. You started when? Ballet co-started how long ago? In 2012. So for the last six years, yeah. you've built this little team and this, this, this small business that is, that is in the, the perfect market. And definitely, as you can hear from some of the crowd, they absolutely love it. How, do you, how did you build your team? How did you find the people around you? Like, what do you look for? First of all, when I started, I was alone. Then Stephen joined me when the business was able to support somebody else. Um, and basically, as the business grow, you see what you need. So uh, to be honest, at the beginning, the main thing that I needed was someone to pick up the phone and take the orders. So um, I was giving a conference uh, on ethical governance and somebody walked up to me and they said, you know what, I like your values, I like your business, I would love to come and work with you. That's how I made my first. So somebody approached you, you weren't even looking, somebody just approached you. Approached me, and I said, I don't have the money to hire anyone, but let me get back to you in about a few months. And uh, six months later, I called her back, I said, are you still interested? And she says, absolutely. I want to be able to work for a company with the value that I cherish. And I said, come on, let's do this. So that was employee number, number one th- after the two of you, so exactly. number three. And after that, Stephen said, well, I need some help in the back to, uh, to produce the orders and ship them out. And um, we basically did the same thing, although not too long ago, um, someone that uh, in our family just said, you know what, I need, uh, I need to have some work. And so that's how we did it. Yeah, we brought them along. That's it. I mean, uh, the biz- as the business grows and as demand grows, we were lucky enough to be surrounded with great people. Uh, like in any business when you started, I'd say that um, we have family that joins in. Uh, we have uh, people who come in and, you know, b- you know, we'll put stickers on bottles. We'll do all the, 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 you know, the basic stuff first. And as the business picks up and the volume picks up, then you get your manufacturers to get going and you go from there. there there's, there's kind of an always a, a fork in the road, this, this double-edged sword and this question that many entrepreneurs go through. And that's, does the, build is, does the business come and I add people to help, to help it? succeed or do I have the people on board so I can I can really meet the growth when it walks through the door absolutely what do you do you, do you, ch- do you chase the people or do you chase the business well when 
uh, Alina came to me and she said, I want to have this job. And I said, I don't have the money. Even six months later, I did not have the money. But I figured it was worth not paying myself to grow the business with the right team. So I did not take a salary. I gave it to her so I could build the team first to be able to accept the growth after. Absolutely. Thank you. And I, I know there's, there's, a, there's always a lot of team issues to come in, but we also want to get to the products. And I know there's one failure story about your product <laughs> that when we come back, uh, we're going to hear all about it and, and the lesson you learned. We'll also talk about rebranding with Natalie Riviere of Cometa Communications. That's on the way on today's Entrepreneur. Live from Dawson College E-Week, Annie Hulot and Stephen Ballot of Balico, our guests this evening. professional advice with a personal touch consult fl fuller landau chartered professional accountants and business advisors click on flmontreal.com welcome back to that's probably my fault again my welcome back to they can't both be your fault then. <laughs> Uh, program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar, along with FL Montreal's Josh Miller. And Josh, we are live at Dawson College for E-Week Entrepreneur Week. Hello, everyone. Uh, Dawson College, make some noise for entrepreneurs tonight, please. Thank you very much. So, ma so many inspiring stories in Dan. There's Dawson's Dan. There's going to be a bunch of pitches for these students with some fantastic ideas. Uh, really looking forward. We heard about one uh, at the top of the hour. And uh, there's going to be some, uh, there's a lot of energy, a lot of entrepreneurial energy in the room. Yeah, can we talk about rebranding as well soon with Natalie Rivera of Cometa Communications? Uh, what happens if you're kind of stuck in a rut with your business, how to turn things around and change up your image? So that's on the way. But first, we're chatting with Annie Hulot and Stephen Ballot of Balico. Uh, they make environmentally friendly uh, cleaners, house products, uh, cleaning products, and, uh, and they are also married and they have, they have a family business. And, you know, when, when, when you're launching or creating a line of products, uh, and Annie or Stephen, uh, whoever would love to answer this. And I know part of the story because I had the privilege of hearing it before. But you're, one of your earlier products that you wanted to hit the market, it was absolutely fantastic for the environment, but maybe didn't have the best success. Can you describe to us or tell us a little bit about that story, that failure story? Okay, well, first of all, what we need to understand is that we're creating products um, that is eco-friendly, from hand soap, uh, lotion, laundry detergent, uh, dish soap, uh, dish tabs. But there's one thing that we do very important to us is that we want to reduce our plastic footprint, meaning we will design a good biodegradable products, but we will always think about eco design and reducing all the plastic footprint. So we came across this great innovation, which is a tab, like a dish tab to put in your dishwasher, but it's a windshield washer dish, a uh, windshield washer tab. So this little tab or tablet, just you add it to water and it becomes your window washer fluid for your car. Exactly. And there's no more that four liter plastic container. So for me, it was completely innovative. And I said, okay, now we can have these two or three, four tabs in the car and reduce our plastic footprint. So what happened? Well, no one bought it. No, no, no <laughs> one bought Sounds it. Sounds like an amazing idea and definitely reduces the, the footprint. But Why the, do people not buy it? Well, first of all, the first people we went to see was Canadian Tire. 
So we sat down with them, we got our meeting, they all looked at it, they said, wow, what a great idea. Well, we can market it. We cannot merchandise it because the tab is too small. We can't show it on the, tablet, uh, on the shelves. It was just not easy to market. Well, let's understand also that a tablet itself is basically a tablet that you drop in water. Now, water, of course, freezes at zero degrees Celsius. So the tablet format was really for what we call a summer solution or solution that you would actually use, let's say, from April 15th to maybe October 15th. So figuring it out, I think uh, uh, at this point, maybe the market, at least this part of the market here in Canada, was not able to literally look at it and say this is something that works because most of the time in the car, what do we put? This minus 43 solution. And we don't put this water-based solution. So how did, you, how did you change? How did you pivot? What did you learn from that? What didn't you ever do again? Well, first of all, I think I needed my biggest um, learning experience is that to stay focused. I got out of my comfort zone. I, I should have stayed with the cleaners, with the soap, with the laundries, the detergent, something that I was comfortable with. And I, de- I decided to just go too fast, too quick, get out of my focus because Canadian Tire was not even on my radar as a customer. I was more pitching to Whole Foods. I was pitching to different naturals, natural stores. Now I got out of my comfort zone. I went to pitch Canadian Tire. They weren't ready for me talking about the environment at all. Hey, can I convince you to c- keep it around at least? Because it's going to work at some point. It makes sense. At some point it will, and this year we had an order from Desjardins that decided to give this tab to everyone at the Grand Prix uh, Formule 1. Mm. So you're absolutely right. It was just that I don't have the money anymore to support, to promote it. Not, not for a losing product. So do you, do you deal with big box stores or do you deal with the smaller smaller uh, retail outlets? With, with this product? With, no, with, with, with your other products. Oh, no, no, no. We're uh, listed at Metro. We sell to Sobeys. Uh, we sell to Bulk Barn. We sell to HomeSense, Winners. Is it difficult? You're a small business. Is it difficult dealing with the big box stores? Well, I don't think it's been that difficult so far. I should say that, uh, um, let's just say that in my previous business, in previous business history, I've, I've uh, learned how to work with big box stores. Um, I mean, they're very demanding, um, but we're able to handle it. I mean, I, I think there's a lot of logistics uh, issues that we have to deal with, and it's understandable when you deal with a big box. They, are, they require a store-ready product, and uh, we've definitely been able to, to uh, make it, pack it, and ship it. So it works. For all, the, for all the small entrepreneurs out there that feel like they'd be bullied by working with a big box store, what would you say to them? No, actually, it's the contrary. These big box stores need us. They need the small one because... Well, in my case, environmental-friendly products. They need it, they want it. And they do have program to help the local uh, entrepreneurs also. So you fit somewhere. Now, just to quickly jump before, before we go uh, off to our next topic, uh, suppliers, have you had the same suppliers, same chemists, the same people producing your product since the beginning? Actually, the same chemist, yes, we stayed in the same house. Uh, although the contract filler, which is our, su- our main supplier of soap, we have um, changed last year because our growth is too rapid and we needed to have higher volume. And you, was it easy to find somebody else to, to replace it? Not a, not a problem. Th- he, couldn't, he couldn't deal with your capacity anymore. Absolutely, couldn't deal, yeah. Do you have to protect your product? Do you have to protect the... 
the, that intellectual property, the, 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 the chemistry behind it? Um, well, let's just say that there's many ways around the chemistry. I mean, it's not as if you can trademark your chemistry. I think at one point is you create great recipes, and um, um, those recipes are our are, are, are own. And uh, at one point, when you go from one contract filler to another and you start adding a few, you need to diversify. Let's understand that certain contract fillers have better expertise in specific types of products. And also, um, we are looking, and we're still looking at, at this point, as, at contract fillers who are ready to, to see us as um, a, a good customer. And not just that, they see, they see there's potential in us. Right now, I think we found a good fit. All right, Annie Hulu and Stephen Balit of Balico. You guys are going to stick around. We're going to have your one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur in a moment. And coming up next, we're going to chat with Natalie Riviere, our marketing expert from Cometa Communications. And we're going to talk about rebranding uh, from the woman who helped me rebrand my own company. So that's on the way on today's entrepreneur live at Dawson eWeek. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau, Chartered Professional Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Welcome back to today's Entrepreneur, inspiring stories from outstanding business people. Dan Delmar and FL Montreal's Josh Miller with you, live from Dawson College for E-Week, Entrepreneur Week. And uh, we're with Annie Hulot and Stephen Ballot of Balico. They make uh, environmentally friendly fragrances and cleaning products. And we'll have their one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur on the way. But first, let's bring back Natalie Riviere from Cometa Communications, our marketing expert on the perils of rebranding. Welcome back, Natalie. Thank you so much, Dan. Should we actually, maybe let's go to Annie and Stephen first because they had sort of a, a rebranding issue lately, and uh, you guys ha have no regrets at all, right? I mean, you just decided to make a change. Tell me about that change. Well, when we launched the business, it was mostly for the B2B business, and our brand was OH. So OH, it stands for Office and Home, because I believe that you should clean your office the same way as you clean your house. Um, although um, the products were unscented, and everyone would open the bottles to smell the product and see what type of smell it was. So the product was, I, I find that the brand was not well positioned. It needed to be stronger. It needed to have a name that was really telling the customer what it was. So we decided to uh, trademark in the U.S. and Canada the unscented company. And slowly I changed all of my customers across to Canada from OASH, OASH, to the unscented company. And that really just became much clearer to people. No, no question. Well, the name says it all. I mean, uh, you, you can't deny it. It's not as if you're going to smell like lemon or basil. It's unscented. And even when Tasty. One, exactly. And even one day, if I do have a conseil d'administration, a, a, a board, a board. Yeah, a board, board of directors, yeah. They will not be able to add scent to my product because the name does not permit it. Absolutely. So we'll turn to Natalie. And, you know, Natalie, you, you've kind of lived through some of uh, some of your customers, your clients, and other entrepreneurs as they wanted to rebrand, as they reinvent themselves and change their name. Uh, Dan, certainly one of them from Provocateur to, uh, to TNKR. Uh, what, what are the first thoughts that come to your mind of challenges for entrepreneurs in this aspect? It's definitely a challenge. Uh, I encourage people to look at their product or even their business almost like a person and naming a child. The idea would be to describe their personality, how this product, how does it make people feel, what would it be like at a party, how would you describe them if they weren't in the room. Uh, and usually those kind of characteristics will bring you into a feeling or even words that you might want to then play off of. 
Now it's a little harder uh, online. So many words are taken. And so the first thing then, once you have an idea, uh, if you need to choose between a few, I ask people to go online and see if the domain is available. <laughs> because that's usually something that will make the decision for you. And then, so, but beyond the words, then is it, is it a look? Is it a logo? Is it a feel? Uh, you know, it, I'm sure it's actually all of that. Yeah, I think once you have the name, then it, it comes with a story. And so telling that story visually, telling that story with copy, uh, it all elaborates from there. But if you look at the exercise as naming a person, uh, you can imagine the personality that comes with it. And it's not an overnight event. This is something that takes time to build and to, and to, and to be visible. Absolutely. But I do think that when you know, you know. And you, you do have that moment where uh, this works and this feels right and it works maybe online and it also works in line with the other products we had. As you said, this is the name of your product but not the name of your business. So does it go with the rest of the philosophy? Dan, TNKR. Yep. How did, how did you, uh, in a nutshell, how was that rebranding experience? Well, it was great. I mean, we worked with Natalie for many months on this, and part of our issue was, you know, the provocateur word became a bit too edgy and, and all that. It just, uh, I saw it in a Trump documentary, just made me want to get away from that word. And so I went to Natalie with this problem, and one of the first things she said was, yeah, check out the domains and make sure that, that you can be searched online. There's not other companies with the same name out there eating up your SEO, your search engine optimization online. And, uh, and Natalie helped a lot with how to, how to tell people about this, which is really important, right? How do you present this new name and this new company? So she made me get a newsletter. She made me redo the website, and all of which is, has really worked, and it's been fantastic. And it, it feels, I don't know about you guys, but it feels like you kind of have a new, a new lease on life, right? I mean, I, I felt refreshed when it, when it finally went through and when, it, when we became TNKR. Absolutely. Like Natalie said, uh, my persona is named Alexia. She, uh, and the Unscented Company has a name. She's a journalist at the Huffington Post. She goes at Marche Water. She, she, she goes by bike. It's this whole persona that has been put to life, and now I can always talk to her when I do social media, when I do marketing, or even just the color of the product. So uh, it's, I think it's, it was very important to give it a personality. You're absolutely right. Did it take long for you to find the Unscented Company, that name? The name honestly came up right away. In my head, I said, okay, it's the Unscented Company. The feeling and, and bring up the communication and who was behind and everything to talk to the customer, it took a good year. Absolutely. Natalie, are there, are there you know, you, I don't know if you work with checklists or like what's, you know, the first, second, third thing you think about when you want to rebrand? Um, either that or what do you think is the hardest aspect for an entrepreneur to tackle when they're getting their word out there that hey we're now TNKR instead of provocateur we're now the unscented company instead of OH I mean there's a lot of steps to the process I think one of the most difficult things is uh, having everything consistent and so if you are going to make a big announcement or a big shift what I meet is people in many different phases of the of the process but at the end of the day when you have to go and announce this Ideally, all of your different channels are in order, and ideally you have all of your community's email addresses so you can get that personal and that direct with them. Uh, and so sometimes the biggest difficulty is really creating the channels to deliver that message. No, and, it, and it's, it's really a huge topic, branding, reinventing yourself, 
uh, that, that I always say is, is huge in entrepreneurs. We spoke about it at the 200th episode, Dan, so, so no doubt that it's, uh, we could probably talk a whole hour on this topic, but we'll, we'll stop it there for now, and as we approach uh, the end of the program, uh, we'll do what we do each week, and we'll turn to Annie and Steve and ask you, what would be your one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur? I think in my case, I'm a certified B Corp, so that would be to use your business as a force for good. I think we are in a era today that we can use our business uh, and drive good in this in society. So, basically, I think in in a few in a few years from now, a company that won't be transparent, inclusive, or socially environmentally f- responsible will not be of use anymore. So Thanks very much, Annie. Stephen? Um, I'd say um, it's a bit what Natalie had said just earlier on uh, when, we, when we arrived here at the studio. Basically, uh, when you have product, you want to test product, put it out there quick, test it quick, make mistakes with it quick, get it better and better quicker. And at this point, when you see you've got the winning formula, put it out there and you'll see the volumes will come. So please test a lot and get, don't be afraid to test and test and test. And uh, I couldn't agree with you more, Stephen. And, and absolutely, if you want to realize if it's down the wrong path, you want to cut that short. You don't want to spend down, go down the wrong path too long. Sure. So thank you so much, guys, for being part of this. Annie Rouleau and Stephen Ballad of Belico, thanks so much for stopping by. Natalie Rivera of Cometa, thanks as well for your wisdom on, on rebranding. And Josh, back next week uh, for Smoothie Talk. Smoothies go. Yes, and first and foremost, thank you to Dawson College. Thank you, everyone, for coming out tonight to the program. For E-Week Entrepreneur Week, back next Monday night at 7 here on News Talk Radio, CJD 800. Good night.